Amen. We're blessed, and the goodness of God runs after us. Judges 16, 22, if you got your Bibles. I want to uh, talk to you about a message that uh, I can't take really credit for the title, nor for much of the message. I, I work a full-time job. I seek the Lord and, 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 and get into His Word regularly, but uh, I thank God for great preachers that are my mentors and pastors and, 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 and commentaries and sermons and things that I can glean from. I'm so grateful for. And I'm going to tell you what, a truth has been opened up to me that I, I have to share. And uh, I want to talk to you today about the roots are still there. The roots are still there. And if you got your Bibles, go with me to Judges 16. I think it'll be on the screen. And we're going to look at this. Let me pray. And then we're going to look at uh, Hebrews. Because there's something found in the book. of When you read this in, in Hebrews 11, it's going to... How many are surprised? I'll just ask this before I start. How many are surprised to see a man by the name of Samson in the book of Hebrews 11? Oh, just me? Just me? I mean, a man named Samson in the hall of faith, the hall of fame in our Bible. One of the most faithful people in all the Word of God. You find a man named Samson there. And Samson, maybe we haven't read about Samson enough lately, but uh, if you read the story of Samson, there's a great enigma there. There's a man that is, uh, when I was a child, I, I loved, I didn't read a lot when I was a child, uh, the Bible, I'm ashamed to say, but I had a picture Bible. And how many enjoyed the picture Bible as a kid? Or you went to Sunday school class and maybe you had the flannel, flannel graph or something for the old people in the room like me. But you had a flannel graph or you had some pictures up there, some posters of, of, of the of people in the Old Testament and that sort of thing. And I can remember as a child, Samson being one of those that I really dug when you re- as a young boy because the man was a man's man. He was strong. He was powerful. And that was one of the things that I, I mean, a guy that can do mighty exploits and things. And that appealed to me as a young man. And I can remember that story. But, it, but, but there's also some things in Samson's life that are very appalling, So there's some amazing things where the Spirit of God comes on this man. And then there's some appalling things. So that's what's called an enigma. It's something that's puzzling to us. And then we find him in the Hebrews chapter 11. But before you get too prideful and cocky, aren't we all like that? Aren't all of our lives an enigma? Don't we all have things that we look in our lives and say, wow, God did that through me. And then yet there's little things in our life that say, gosh, I don't want anybody to know about that. So there's an enigma in all of us as well. And there's something to glean out of this story today that is going to blow your socks off. And I'm going to tell you because the roots are still there, Sharon. The roots are still there. In some of us, and you'll know where I'm going in just a minute. Father, it's so good to be here this morning, God, and it's so good to dive into your word. And Father, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts today, that you would change our lives through the word of God. I pray, God, that you would speak to us powerfully, God. I pray that some of our sons and daughters would, would uh, uh, Lord, that we would, we would see some hope here today. Faith would rise up for some of our spouses today, God, for this nation, God, for, uh, for, for different people. 
people and various people, God, the roots are still there. And so, Father, let us see, God, some miracles today through this story and through this. Uh, this uh, and thank you that you are so, so good, that your goodness is running after us. And so, Father, speak to people online. Change hearts and lives through the gospel and through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Judges 16, and it came to pass when she pestered him. Now, Samson's gone through a lot, but I want to bring you to a place because, uh, and to the, to the end here, and I want to bring you to a place where Delilah is uh, after him, and uh, she's after him. The Philistines are after him for some of his strength, and we'll tell more of the story in a moment, but I want to show you one particular verse before I go to Hebrews because I think it's very important. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him. Isn't that what sin does to us? Doesn't it do just pester us and wear us down daily and daily after a while. She pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death. Look at verse 17. That he told her all in his heart and, and said to her, No razor has ever come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. I, if I'm shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all that was in his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up at once more, for he has told me all in his heart. Look at, go on. So the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hand. And then she lulled him to sleep. Doesn't that, isn't that what sin does to us after we've taken the bait? It lulls us to sleep. So she lulled, lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left him. Then And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as I did before. And that's the deception of sin as well. When you're in it and you've been with God, now you think you can do the same things and you have the same power with God that you had. But all of a sudden you go out and you find out you're not powerful to stand up against the things that are coming against you now. The temptations, the the, the flood of iniquity and all those things. I will go out as I did before at the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Look at verse 21. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought... That's a sin will do that to you. It'll make you blind. It'll blind you, folks. It'll blind you. There are people sitting in this room. You've been playing with sin and you're blinded now to it. You think everything you're doing in your life is okay. You think that it's okay that, that, that America, where we are today, that we're okay serving God and doing the wicked things that we're doing and you're blinded to the fact that, that you, you can't see any longer and she put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and they bound him with bronze fetters and he became a grinder in the prison. Look at the next verse. However, everybody say however. The hair of his head began to grow again. Hallelujah. And after it had been shaven. And that's what I want to preach to you today. The roots are still there. The roots are still there. However, however, it was terrible. But however, the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaven, the Bible tells us. And I'm going to tell you, God has got some people here. You've made some bad choices. You've gone through some terrible things. You're 
in captivity today. However, however, the roots of the gospel are still there. Some of your children are away from God. However, the roots of the gospel were put into them by a mother or a father and they're going to grow again. However, the roots of the gospel were in this nation and there's many sons and daughters away from God. However, however, it's going to begin to grow and maybe we're going to see somebody come back to the Lord. Amen? Hallelujah. However, 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 the, the roots began to grow. And I'm so, like I said, I wonder how many of us have ever thought Hebrews, if I were going to write the Bible and write a hall of faith and a hall of fame, I probably would not have included Samson in it. But look at Hebrews 11:32, And it says this, And what more shall I say? For the time would not fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, and who through faith subdued kingdoms and worked righteousness and obtained promises and stopped the mouth of the line. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword and out of weakness they were made strong. They become valiant in battle and they turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead to life again. As I said, I loved the picture Bible when I was little. I loved flipping through and seeing pictures of Jonah and the whale. I loved seeing David fighting this little David and dreaming about being a young boy who felt weak and all of a sudden there's a power that can come on you from God that can bring down anything. And then you Look at people like Samson, and he's out there fighting this Philistine army with just a jawbone of a donkey, and he's conquering and doing, uh, taking lions and defeating them and ripping them to pieces, and just all kinds of strength and power that's coming out of this man. And he's a man's man, but again, he's strong, yet at the same time, there's something appa- that's uh, appalling in him as well because he's constantly flirting with, with, with sin and constantly into things that he should not be into. Yet God is with him. God is still with this man. It's an enigma, which is a a person or a thing that is mysterious or puzzling or difficult to understand. As as I said, he's a double-minded man. He's unstable in all of his ways. And yet, we are like that so often as well. There's a double-mindedness that goes on in our hearts and in our lives. We're an enigma of sorts at times where God moves on our lives. And yet, then we find ourselves something that we do that's a calling to God and we have to come to an altar or go somewhere and ask God to forgive us and so this man was amazing he had the call of God on his life he was a Nazarite he took a Nazarite vow he took a Nazarite usually you took a Nazarite vow for maybe a few years uh, but this man took a Nazarite vow for life it was on him for life for his entire life that's what it was uh, to do he had a supernatural origin from birth it was miraculous angels came and announced this man's birth to his mother. He was called to be a judge at this time in Israel. He was going to bring order to the nation of Israel. They had apostatized. They had gone away from God. And every time you would go away from God, God, during this time, after they had been put in the land, and now Joshua's died off, Moses has died off, and now he's raising up these judges and putting them into place. And so all of a sudden, to bring back order into society, the Philistines 
Philistines or some uh, Midianites or somebody would come in and conquer them and God would raise up this man or this woman at times like Deborah and they would do something valiant. They'd do something mighty. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon them and they would, they would push back the enemy and fight back the enemy and God would conquer through them. And that's where we see things like that. Talking about that women got their dead to life again and, and, and they sent uh, armies to flight and all of these things that we read there that are so amazing in the Hebrews uh, book of faith. His dad was named Manoah. He was of the tribe of Dan. His mother was of the tribe of Judah. He was consecrated, as I said, a judge. Judge here in the scripture means Shaphat in the Hebrew. And it's to be able to judge righteously. It's to be able to judge correctly. It's to bring order. It's to judge between disputes of the people. It's also to be a deliverer and a protector of the nation. It's also included here and in four places in the Bible where it's translated as Elohim. Elohim. It's not saying He is God, but it's saying He's like God in the fact that He is representing God so much so that as He judges, that literally he is, God is saying He is representing me so that the people know that when you speak, that your judgments are my judgments. That's what God is saying here. That's how much he is saying here. He was sovereignly, this man was sovereignly appointed uh, into this position by God. As I said, it was a a vow for life that he made as a Nazarite that no razor would touch this man's head. That he would drink no wine. He would put no wine to his lips or even take anything from the grapevine. That no, he would touch no dead thing. And from the youngest of age, the problem is, He shows a pattern of being morally weak and a fleshly man because he does every one of these things over and over again. He's a walking contradiction. He's an enigma. The Spirit of the Lord comes on him. He picks up city gates off of their hinges and just takes these huge city gates, puts them on their back, goes up a hill and fights off the enemies. He, 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 he He takes the jawbone of a donkey that, by the way, he's not supposed to touch. A dead thing. And he fights off the Philistines and, and destroys them. He, he, he fights a lion and now he comes back and later and he sees it lying there and he's not supposed to touch a dead thing and he dips down in it, eats the honey, takes some to home to mom and dad and doesn't tell them that they're eating something from a dead thing. He marries a foreign woman or tries to which was totally forbidden. Manoah, daddy... I want this woman down in the Philistine camp. Get her for me. He's a lustful man. He wants it. Dad's like, couldn't you get a nice Jewish girl? That's what we're supposed to do. I want her. And he wants her, yeah. And, 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 and God, but the, but the thing is, even in all of that, God is not finished with Samson. He is not finished with this man. Because I want to tell you something. God is going to do something. Listen, it sounds like all those stories, and you read them there in Judges, it sounds like that's just a few days. He judged for 20 years. There were 20 years that go by in Samson's life. Let me tell you something. There were a lot of appalling things, but there was a lot of good judgment in those 20 years. 
years. There were a lot of things he did well. There were a lot of things that he did right. But, like Margaret just was attesting to, he was a very selfish man. Very selfish man. Very fleshly tendencies. And, and, and there, you know what? I grew up with a faulty lens. I've been telling you that the last few weeks. I didn't recognize it until recently. How faulty of a lens growing up in the Bible Belt for me was. I didn't, maybe it wasn't for you. It was for me. There was a pastor that grew up in Ireland. And he grew up in a real strict place where, uh, where there was uh, 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 a lot of religion. Let's just put it that way. But not a lot of relationship with God. And he too said he had a faulty lens of, of Christianity. He said when he was a little boy and he would fall, he would come in and he would run to his grandmother and his grandmother would pick him up in his arms and said, she would say something like this, God's going to get you for being such a bold boy. Or, or God is getting you for being such a bold, bold boy. That's the lens he grew up. That every time I mess up, God's going to get me. That God's ready to smack me. That God's ready. I mean, we can really do damage by having a wrong, faulty view of God. Not understanding the character, the attributes, the nature of God. I mean, just skinning your knee as a boy and all of a sudden God's, God's getting you back for something that you did. That's a warped view of, the, of Christianity and what we study in the Word of God. God. God's not scared of sin. Listen to me. God is not scared of sin. This is something I'm coming into learning about. He hates sin, but He's not scared of sin. He hates it because of what it does to our lives. He hates it because it destroys, because it, it, of what it begins to do. Because when it's fully grown, it gives birth to death. That's why he hates it. Because when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death. And so, think about this. this. The angels, I was telling Marcy this on the way home. I heard this from a pastor. Think about this very comment. He said, the angels of heaven saw the face of God, but when they sinned, what did they turn into? Not a trick question. The angels saw the face of God, but when those angels left their first stead and sinned with Satan, what did they turn into? Demons. Listen to what this man said. Is it possible that when sin is fully grown in human beings and that there will be nobody in hell that you recognize because everything of the image of God will be destroyed? I'm going to read that again because I want that to sink in with somebody. If the angels that left God became demons, what will sin when it is fully grown in a man, woman, or boy, or girl who will not let God deal with that sin, when that sin is fully grown, will they even be able to be recognized as to what they were before when they are found in hell? Maybe like demons themselves. Because there's no image of God left within them because sin is fully grown and been fully allowed to destroy and take over their life. Yeah, God is not scared of sin. God has dealt with sin. But God hates sin because that's where it takes a man, woman, boy, or girl when it's left alone and undealt with in their life. It destroys you. 
And when fully grown, it brings forth death. And so, so, so maybe, maybe in hell you won't even be able to recognize the people that are there. Maybe they won't even be able to recognize their former selves. Samson was a selfish man. He was consumed with himself. Eventually, Samson meets Delilah, and the Bible says she loyaled him to sleep, as we read earlier. Galatians says this in Galatians 6, 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will also of the flesh reap corruption, but he that sows to the Spirit will the Spirit reap everlasting life. As I said earlier, sin lulls you to sleep. Sin leads to a sorrowful life. And that's what we have as a man named Samson. God was with Samson. God was with Samson so much. He was, I mean, he was on him constantly, even after he sinned. But man, the guy was sorrowful. The guy had a... He ended up having a very sorrowful life throughout that. We don't tell of anything where he had children. We don't see any place where he had the joy of children. We don't see any place where somebody loved him back. He always wanted love. He was looking for love in all the wrong places. He was looking down with this Philistine girl. He wanted love. He was looking in the lap of Delilah for love. He was looking in all of these places. We find no place where it ever says that he achieved that and found love. He had no stability in his life. He's constantly fighting the Philistines, going from here to here to here. And finally, Delilah lulls him to sleep and eventually coaxes him to give the secret of his strength. He ends up in the lap of a spy. Head in the lap of this spy there against Israel. And she causes him to give the secret of his strength. And you know what it is. I mean, first he plays around with her, lies a little bit, messes around, takes some green rope twigs off the trees, take a bark and tie them around me, seven of them, and bam, he comes out. Then take some new rope and tie that around me, and I won't be, boom, he's out. And all of a sudden, though, now she keeps pressing him, as it said, for what's really inside of his heart. The enemy wants to bear the heart. Uh, giving her to give uh, him to give her his heart, and he does. He opens it all up, and he begins to tell her, "No razor is supposed to touch my hair." You've seen the you've seen the Orthodox Jews. You've seen the hair that's not that's supposed to grow down on the sides, and and how it's not supposed to have a razor come up on it. Samson's got that going on. He's got never is a razor supposed to touch my hair, and if it, if this happens, then he says, "I'll become like all the other men." Uh, around you. And that's what sin does. It weakens you. It's what uh, it weakens you from what God wants to do in your life. Samson, God wants to do something mighty in Samson's life. Sin weakens you to the point where he can't do that. There's a call on his life. God has a call on your life. The enemy wants to take sin and weaken you to the place where you're not doing what God wants you to do. So all of a sudden, she's lulled him to sleep. He's in the lap of this uh, of this woman. When he wakes up, he thought that he could go out to meet the challenge just like he had done before but all of a sudden it's absolutely different he is devastated he's weakened he's what he wakes up weakened by compromise he wakes up and the philistines come and they seize him they gouge out his eyes the bible begins to tell us they strip him and they put him into a prison and now he's grinding corn and for the first time in his life samson is doing something that is not selfish He's pushing the grinding wheel to make corn and food for other prisoners. All that selfishness in his life, and now he's doing something unselfish. 
as he's beginning to be a prisoner in this place. And he's in this place, and, and, and it looks horrible. It looks hopeless. But it's not. It's a turning point. God is about to do something. There's something that begins to happen to this man day after day as he's blind. And as they make sport of him. The Bible says they make sport of him. They, they come out and he's, in the, he, he's at a place where their God is Dagon. And now they're saying, look at the Hebrew God. Look at the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Our God Dagon is master. Our God, God, our God Dagon is in charge. Our God Dagon is superior. Come on people, let's shout to the God of Dagon. Look at the best that their God can give them. He is pitiful. He is blind. He is cranking out. He is there and a little boy is leading him. Children, they're mocking. Everybody's mocking the man of God, the big man that hurt the Philistines and so powerful. The enemy came and cut his hair but he didn't get the roots. I said he came and cut his hair, but he did not get the roots. And let me tell you, there is roots of faith in America. And let me tell you something, there are roots of faith in your backslidden child. There are roots of faith in our sons and daughters that are out there in perversion. There are roots of faith that have been taught in this nation and in churches across this nation. There are roots of the gospel that have been placed in different places all across this. And they may be in captivity right now. And their eyes may be gouged out right now but I'm telling you something they have not gotten to the root yet and there is a root that can grow back amen there are prophecies and prayers Diane that have been prayed over these children. There are prophecies that were prayed over. There are prophecies that were spoken. There was an altar that those children came to at one time, hearing the gospel message, coming down, giving their life to God. And now they're like Samson. They're out somewhere. They're blind. Their eyes are gouged out. They're in some kind of relationship that this Bible speaks does it should not be. They are gender confused, whatever it may be. And all of a sudden, but can I tell you something? The roots are still there. The roots are still there. The prayers that have been prayed are still there. And my goodness, God is about to do something, I believe. Amen? So we got to believe God to revive the roots again. Faith springs up in Samson's heart. Faith, he remembers. Faith begins to spring up. The hair begins to grow. And faith begins to grow in this blind man's heart. And that's what, folks, that's where we're at. I've almost, I'm a guy who looks at the glass half empty, a lot of discouragement, so I take things to the furthest discouragement so I won't be disappointed when it doesn't work out this way. But can I tell you something? Our God is not like that. I'm beginning to see something in faith, and even though it's bad, let me tell you something, the hair can start to grow again. Faith can start to come again. Our God can move one more time in this world, in our sons and daughters, in our marriages. There's still room roots of faith in your marriage. There's still roots of faith in your home. There's still roots of faith in this church, my friend. And it can grow again. Amen. 
Samson's one of the faultiest examples of a man of God. And yet God says, I will bring myself to reputation through you. I'm going to bring myself to reputation through you, Samson. And folks, I'm telling you, we make it to heaven not because of our strength. We make it to heaven because of God's faithfulness. And that's exactly what happened in this man called Samson. He's not going to get there because of how powerful or how strong he is. He's going to get there because of how faithful God is. And you can fall a hundred times, seven times, but your God is faithful and what he began he will finish the work amen God takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise Samson has defiled every one of his Nazarite vows. He's drank. He's cohorted in a, with prostitutes and moral relationships. Samson has defiled every one of his Nazarite vows. Like I said, he drank wine. He allowed his hair to be cut. He touched the dead things. He, he wanted to marry unbelievers and, and, and was with unbelievers. And now he is in the prison and they bring him out. And there's this big feast to Dagon that they're about to do. So they're going to bring him out into the temple of Dagon. They're going to make sport of him in front of everybody and here's this guy who's the representative of the Hebrew God and look what their God looks like. Look how faulty and weak they are. They tried to do the same today folks. They pointed our fallen pastors and they make sport of pastors. They make sport today of fallen Christians. I'm not making excuse for sin or for somebody that falls into iniquity but my friend can I tell you the roots are still there and they're going to grow again. They're going to grow again. And I'm telling you what, God is faithful. There's still hope. Amen? I'll tell you why there's hope. Listen to Job 14. One of my favorite passages of Scripture. I preach it a lot of times at a funeral. For there is hope for a tree. If it is cut down, that it will sprout again. And that its tender shoots will not cease. Though its roots may grow old in the earth. And its stumps may die in the ground. Yet at the scent of water, it will bud and bring forth branches like a plant. They bring this tree out that looks like he's been cut down. They bring him out. He looks like he's dead. He looks like he has absolutely no fruit he is naked he is blind and this big tough guy who could fight off everybody has a I think it's even more it just hit me he's got a little boy that's leading him out there he can't even fight a little boy off a little boy It's pulling him out here to be mocked. and ma- They did the same thing to Jesus. They attempted to demean him in every possible way. He, he, Samson is blind. He's weakened. He's fallen. There's nothing to hold on to. Everything seems gone. The nations are laughing at him. And he's at rock bottom of his life. And then they bring him out to make sport of, and he begins to speak to the Lord. Folks, there is a sprig of hair that begins to grow. There is a sprig of faith that begins to grow in the heart. He asks a child to lead me to the pillars. Lead me to the pillars. Lead me to the pillars that are holding this temple up. And this little boy takes him over where these 3,000 people are celebrating to this Dagon, this false God. They're celebrating their victory over the God of Israel. 
Israel. Look, we brought Israel's representative here to mock and to laugh at and to make fun of. And they're slandering the God of heaven. And he is naked and a child is leaving him. The crowd is fanatic. The crowd is screaming. They are hissing. They are laughing insults. They are mocking. And yet something inside of this man begins to grow. The hair begins to grow. The faith in his heart begins to grow. And no matter how low you are today, no matter what has gone on in your life, I don't care if you've been divorced 10 times. I don't care if you've fallen 12 times back into drugs and alcohol. I don't care what has happened in your life and how low you have come. The roots are still in your life. Amen. It's not over. And God's going to call that which is not in Samson's life. And He's going to call that which is not in your life. It's not how, but it will be. It, what will be in your life. I've seen people so badly backslid. I've counseled with people. I've seen them. I've seen them all of a sudden at their bedside. A life that was so... I had one just a couple of weeks ago. uh, Just a life that was lived so far from God. Just so lustfully far from God. And yet it was expunged in one moment of time. One moment of repentance. One moment of coming back to God. One more. One more time of a little bit of faith in their heart. To say, oh God, forgive me. Oh God have mercy on me. Oh God, I shouldn't have done that. Oh God, I want to come back to you. Oh God, before I take my last breath, I want to be right with you, God. And in one moment, what the enemy has meant for harm, God expunges and takes it away in that moment. And that's what we see here in the life of Samson. Thank God he sees the bigger picture. Thank God God sees the bigger picture when the enemy is laughing and making sport of us and it looks wobbly and it looks like we're on our knees down for the count. But I want to tell you, Micah 7.8 says this, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall rise again. Amen? And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Faith begins to grow in Samson. Praise God. It begins to grow in his heart. And you know the story. He gets a little boy to lead him to the pillars. He says a prayer. He has faith to pray again. Oh God, let's pray for this nation again, folks. Where the roots at one time were godly. Where we had the gospel that went to the nations of the world. It went by missionaries. It went into, there were churches on every corner in the Bible Belt, folks. The gospel was coming out right and the way that it should be. Folks, the roots are still there. The hair has been cut. Oh God, our sons and daughters look like they're backslid. They don't even want to come to church. Our colleges are are cesspools. Our schools are cesspools of filth. But oh God, the roots are still there. They're still there. Pray and begin to let a little bit of faith rise up. And that's what he did. He said, oh God, one more time. One more time. One more time, God, would you do it? One more time, would you do it? Some of you look like you don't believe it. You've just thrown in the towel. It's over. The bitterness is so much in your heart and you've had such disgust done in this world. I can see it. But oh, I'm praying that the scent of water, just a little bit of the Holy Spirit poured out today, that somehow 
You can sniff it out and you can say just blind. Maybe, oh, I can't see with my physical eyes. It's bad. But oh, my God can do anything. My God can do anything. My God could do anything. And I know I'm an enigma, but God is faithful. And oh God, would you one more time glorify your name in my life. And that's what Samson, bring me little boy to the pillows. And he says, one more time, God, touch me again. Would you touch me one more time? time in my life and someone here came and uh, to this place today maybe because somebody nagged you to come here but I'm telling you it was more than that God has a plan for your life the enemy tried to take you away but God is not finished with you yet there's still a plan for your life. And Samson prays one more time. One more time. And can I tell you something? This pastor that I gleaned a lot of this from, can I tell you? He said he can't find it in any commentary. But I, I, I'm right here with him. It's absolutely phenomenal. Samson is very much a type of Christ. Listen to these comparisons. Listen to this. Listen to this. Both of them were born when Israel was under occupation. The Philistines were occupied and the Romans were occupied in Jesus' time. Time. Angels appeared to both of their mothers. Their children were to be saviors or judges. Elohim, savior of the world. Uh, obviously, when I'm speaking of Samson, he is not God. But I'm saying he represented God. They, they, they were both had supernatural births. They were both given authority by God to judge Israel. The, the, they both were bound and handed over to foreign power in their death. Someone close to them was bribed to find a way to betray them and bring them in into captivity or into custody. Samson was blinded and mocked and Jesus was blindfolded and mocked. They both were stripped naked and they, before they both died, their hands were going to be spread out. God is saying something through the life of Samson that He is saying to us and it is eternal. One hand went on one pillar and the other hand went on the other pillar and I don't know about you, but when I see one hand stretched out this way and I see another hand stretched out that way, I see the cross. I see the cross. I see a type of the cross that is coming in the future where the deliverer, the true deliverer is about to bring down everything on the enemy and he is no longer going to be mocking the people of God. Amen. Both would deal a death blow to the enemy that would be greater in their death than in their living. One would bring down a pagan temple and the other would open a way up into the temple. Of the living God. In their deaths temples were brought down. What does all that mean? It tells me that the sovereign God. The great God. Will bring himself to reputation through every Christian. Even if it's at your last moment in life. No hear me. The sovereign God. Will bring himself to reputation in the Christian. Even if it's in the last moment of your last breath. God hasn't taken his plan off of you. Philippians 1.6 is for me. I know that's true. He who began the work will perform it. And carry it on to completion until the coming of Jesus. Even if it's my last breath that I'm gouged out. And I'm saying God one more time. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified. And I believe that's exactly what Samson did. Amen. He has a plan. He has a plan. And he's not frightened by your sin. But he doesn't want you to be destroyed by it today. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, I, I, I need you to play. Are you got something? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we love you.
We praise you. God, thank you for the word of God that has come forth today, God. Lord, I believe there's people in this room that really need to respond to an altar call. Oh, dear Father, there's some that need to come themselves, God, for, them, for their own selves. But there's some that need to come and believe again. God, faith to rise one more time for their sons or daughters. God, the, the, the daughter, the son who's backslid. The family who's away from God. They want the gospel was preached in that home. Once family devotions were done. Once there were prayers around the dinner table where the children believed in God and now they don't. God, there once was a marriage that had love in it and had faith in it and they went to church, maybe they're online listening, but now, God, the, the family's in disarray and now, God, the, the, the enemy has taken them captive. They, they were lulled to sleep by sin. They put their head in the head of Delilah and all of a sudden the locks were cut off of their, their head and now they're powerless. Their eyes are gouged out. They don't even have faith anymore hardly, but oh God, oh God, oh God, the hair can grow again, God. The roots were not plucked out and oh God, just a little bit of faith like in Samson's heart begins to grow again. You can come home to God. You can come back to God. God will take you. God will glorify Himself through you one more time. And oh God, you want to do that, Lord, in people's lives in this place today. So Lord God, work a miracle as we sing this song and as we worship God. Let people know that God has not taken His plan off of their life. He still has a plan for their their lives. So God, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look across our families, as we, it was so much d departing of the faith, as we look across our nation, that it's turned its back on God, I believe my, oh, with all my heart the roots are still there. Samson, Samson stands as a picture of the faithfulness to God, and it's put there for us to keep on believing and keep on praying. And that's what we're going to do today for our sons and daughters that are backslid, that are away from God, our husbands, our wives, our family member, our nation, the empty chairs in this church where people used to believe in this God and yet they've been taken captive by the enemy. And we are going to be like Samson and we are going to believe for the faithfulness of God in their lives that God, one more time, we're going to pray, we're going to keep on believing, keep on praying that the hair will grow again God, let the hair grow again in church people. Let the hair grow again, Lord, in our family members, God. Let the hair grow again in my spouse. Let the hair grow again in our sons and daughters that they'll come home again here into this church. That they will come in their brokenness just like Samson because the roots of the gospel are still there. And when they come, we must be ready to love them with their pink and purple hair with their, uh, their piercings, with all their brokenness. we got to have love with all their gender confusion. And our arms welcome, loving them with wisdom from God on how to help them come out of those places and to become conformed and made into the true image of God. Love in our language tempered with wisdom. It's not over yet. And today if you're here and the enemy's robbed your testimony, but you pray that those roots will begin to grow and you'll have a testimony again in your life. This altar's open and if that's you, we're going to sing. And we're going to pray the roots. Your testimony's been ransacked today.
If you knew what I did, Pastor, I don't care what you did. The roots, the roots are going to begin to grow.